Hello and welcome to the Daily Lawyer podcast. My name is Jenna Krishnan. I'm your host and also the founder of the Daily Lawyer. I uh, every episode that I record, I always think is like the most interesting one that I've done because I've realized that I love podcasting. But in today's careers in the law episode, I think that our guest is is really uh, like the perfect sort of representation of uh, careers in the law to me. I'm speaking about Mr. Ramanoj Mukherjee, who is the co-founder and CEO of Law Seco, which I don't think needs much of an introduction. But for those of you who don't know, is an online learning platform for law courses. Uh, he's also uh, the co-founder and CEO of iPleaders blog, which is clearly among the most popular blogs that are there out in the world when it comes to uh, legal information. And also the founder of Super Lawyer, which is another uh, like a website that features a bunch of uh, legal professionals across the world in various uh, legal streams. And because he does so much, he works a lot with students, not just in India, but across geographies. Uh, he also is uh, very much involved in placements and placing them in various uh, sort of roles within the legal industry. So this is why I believe that he is a perfect sort of representation of careers in the law hashtag for us. So Ramanuj, thank you. Welcome to The Daily Lawyer and thank you for giving me your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on The Daily Lawyer. I'm very excited to be here and speaking to everyone. Hi, everyone. Hi. Okay, Ramanoj, you have a very interesting, unconventional career path, okay? Because uh, I don't know how you even thought of this. So I want to really know, take me back to your law student days or rather when you were a law student and from then, why did you first choose law? How did you come up to doing something like this, which was because we are more or less contemporaries in our, in the time that, you know, so I know that this was, this is a very unusual and unconventional career path that you've taken. So tell me, tell me about, you know, take me back and then, and then tell me your story. Sure. So uh, it actually started when I was around 14 years old and um... So, I mean, generally my parents and like, you know, the, the environment I was in, it was like a small town in West Bengal near Calcutta in back then in 1996, let's say. So things were like that everybody who's a, who's a little decent in studies will become an engineer or a doctor, right? And my parents also were telling me the same that you have to do this. I think in the beginning, I wanted to be a footballer and I used to play good football. And But then they literally like sabotaged my football career, so to speak, so that I could, uh, fo so that I would focus on studies, right? So that's the thing, study, study, become an engineer or a doctor. And I think from my school, I guess at least half of the science batch went into engineering, maybe a couple of people went into medicine. And the, my idea, like, I was obviously destined for that only like that was the, I had started preparing also. I wanted to go into medicine. I think when I was 14 years old, there was a roadside violence incident. So basically somebody came and hit my bicycle with a bike and I fell down. Then I got up and I screamed at him. He just walked up to me and slapped me and multiple times. And initially I was like, what the hell? The world is fair. Oh, yeah. Justice, yeah. all of that. Yeah. But I realized that 
it's not there it's very interesting i knew the nickname of this guy i didn't know him who is so i went and complained to my father all half, half of me was expecting that on the road there are other people they'll come and stop him or something but nobody did anything nobody does anything uh, so then i went and told my father my father said oh that guy i know him so and then he took me to a club a club is like you know in west bengal it's not there in delhi for example but in west bengal it's like local community centers where people come and play plays games or uh, they, it's like the local nav center in some ways organize community like durga puja or whatever so so he went there and the guy was actually there and he was playing carrom over there so my father called him and said why did you hit him and he's like okay whatever i'm sorry and like that's it then i was like oh, this is it like so there's no justice this is very unfair such a hardy climax yeah of course uh, so so i was like okay so then i decided that okay i have to protect myself and then i started learning boxing karate so that oh, you know wow. and nobody would like so i would be able to defend myself because nothing else is going to help so then i got into some more violent incidents and next time i won and i beat them up and all of that but it did not give any kind of satisfaction in the end there was more anxiety more i didn't like how it was and so then i was uh, then then i came across uh, sachin malhan who was just starting lst back then maybe few years into it and he was doing a session of uh, you know what is uh, like you know how law is a career and by chance i attended it and i really liked what he had to say about you know what lawyers do what is the language of authority and how the society functions and the constitution and it felt like okay there is like a hope for justice so that's how i really decided in one day that i want to study uh, law and become a lawyer and uh, so so that's how it started so the next part of the story is again anti climax in a way i went to study law i got through nujs i had a good rank in the exam and then also there was another major reason that was that uh, like i come from a very uh, financially difficult situation my family was um, for years we had literally problem with food electricity basics you know and so so one thing i had decided when i was a child is that i'm going to be rich when i grow up i'm not going to be poor and yeah and so so i i i had found out that if you go to this law school and you get a good job out of like you can get a 1 lakh rupees per month job and my parents what used to earn 20000 together and i like okay this is life changing money i have to be a lawyer lawyer and so i studied very hard got through and then first year went well so to speak it was very difficult because i studied in vernacular medium school still then and nujs was ruthless in so many ways like there were some nice teachers they were kind but uh, generally like batchmates seniors were not very welcoming to somebody coming from uh, you know that kind that, of background who cannot speak yeah. very well yeah. You cannot speak English very well. You cannot speak English yeah. very well. You are harshly judged. I was yeah. trying to speak English, so I was uh, speaking in, uh, you know, in a broken English. Broken English. Make huh? fun of me for that and stuff like that. But anyway, yeah. 
so i i never took that very seriously because i knew that i am meant for like i had this very innate very strong belief that i'm meant for greater things all this doesn't matter and i'll overcome everything but end of first year there was a shocker like by the time we came bro we came back from our internships turns out that the college has hiked the fees like doubled it from 67000 per year to 137000 and i was studying oh, on and education the entire education loan that was sanctioned to me was around 3 lakhs 2 lakh 95000 and there was no i am going to be able to pay for this new hiked fee so what to do i i went and spoke to the bank they said sorry we are not going to in fact the bank guy sbi right so the officer told me that, that listen i am telling for your own good don't report even this officially i am not going to report this that their, your loan will get cancelled whatever you are getting okay i will disburse it faster than originally planned so that you can keep paying your fees for a couple of years and then figure out what you are going to do how you going to pay the rest of the fees okay so it was a really uh, had a very bad scene at home oh so, no. <laughs> did you do so yeah so so it was like my mother crying saying don't worry i will somehow sell my jewelry will take a loan from somebody will will do something and <clears throat> so i was like okay so i was told since i was a child that if you study good you will become successful you will like you know you can overcome all these barriers and you you will not have problems so i did exactly that i studied very hard i did everything right and then here i am like you know i got a top rank in national law admission test and then i am at nujs and then this is what is happening i was ranked 2 in the national admission test that's amazing so it was like okay then what the hell is going on now what am i supposed to do so i had <clears throat> like i said okay let's not worry about that let's keep studying and figure it out and i was clear i have to start earning so i got an opportunity by the end of second year to start earning like through some clat coaching ims was launching its clat coaching and the my center manager from lst he had now become the ims you probably need to tell people what is lst i, I don't even know does lst still exist this is law school tutorial uh, okay. and it is like career launcher lst so yeah. they they are like it's the biggest and most famous uh, uh, you know law school like law entrance exam coaching right in india in india and then there is uh, ims so ims at that time was the biggest coaching center in india so to speak they were very big in or uh, cat yeah and they had decided they will launch in law there was clat and they were to launch for that yeah and uh, so <clears throat> so the so 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 to speak like the the person who was heading that was knew me from when i was preparing i knew that i am a topper and all of that so they had created some study material so they sent it to me to review it so what do you think like that and i reviewed it but while reviewing it i found lot of mistakes so i highlighted all the mistakes all the problems and gave it to them and also pointed out that a lot of that material was plagiarized from exactly which books oh <laughs> so they were like oh my god we have to launch this in a month like we it was supposed to be launched now what to do can you fix this and i'm like okay i can fix but i have exams coming up so i can't fix it now and they're like we are going to pay you 10000 rupees can you fix it like oh, yes i will 
I'm happy to do it. Okay, that is needed very much. So money is needed. So I did it, and I fixed it. But it's great experience also, right? For you, I mean, at us as a second year law student, you know, going through all the material, like you yourself will have so much more depth of knowledge at that time. Yeah, you know? actually, I had studied very hard for the law entrances, and I these things were on top of my. That's why I knew everything. What is copied from where? Like I just literally. Yeah. I knew with this yeah. question came from here, this paper and this book, and because I had read everything. Yeah. So. So anyway, so I, I I was able to do it really really fast and give it to them, and then the exam was there. So the exam got over. Then they called me again and said, "Why don't you drop by to our office? Just want to have a chat." So I went to meet them and they said, "Okay, listen, how is our material compared to LST? How would you say that? Where we where are we?" Said it's about forty percent of there. This is my fair assessment. So they are like. Okay, that's very <laughs> disturbing. So, what do we have to do to like, you know? So I said, okay, I'm going to give you a written plan, but there are a lot of things that can be done. So I gave them like a step by step plan how it's going to be better, and it involved a lot of work basically. Like I, I, I'm the sort of person who do a lot of work. So it's like here is like <laughs> huge amount of things that needs to be done. So they said, okay, this is nice. Uh, so. would you can you do some of this i'm like no no i gave it to you you guys do it right they're like no at least this module can you make so okay i will make uh, so how much will you pay me i said okay how much do you want they asked me and i said okay let me think and i said i want 30000 this time for creating this module and they took they said okay 30000 you won't do it for like 10 15000 i said no 30000 this will take time and i will charge this much So okay, let let us get back to you in seven days. Back they got back to me and asked me to do it. And very interestingly, every time I got more work, I kept increasing my prices. And I I think I charged a lot more than anybody else would have. Uh, and they always paid me. And and it 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 turned out it it was great. They still use this material. Like it has been ten twelve years. They still use this material. But you know, Ramanuj, I want to uh, dig a little bit about the charging more. I think that is the thing. At least I struggle a lot with that. I know I was talking to somebody this morning only about that. But I know that um, how did you, as a student at the time, I think you are a second or third year law student. How did you have the courage to first come up with that number? How did you come up with that number for anyone who is listening? And this need not only be. So oh. very interesting thing I found out that later on this is much later on you know the first module that was really screwed up that was plagiarized it was draft it was created by an Oxford graduate from my alumni only <laughs> and she charged one and a half lakh to create it I fixed it for ten thousand and this oh. I found much after like you know like years after like and so so it's not about that it's like what what people perceive your your value as right. So for me, uh, one thing was that I the first time I didn't ask ask they said that we'll pay you ten thousand you do it yeah yeah, yeah yeah something for me like it was a lot of money for me and then so why I asked for it I don't know it felt fair like I just thought that this is what it should be costing and it was based on and also the so what you know if if you look what happened every time like i have got lot of work as a student right so i was earning 80 90000 per month by then by doing freelance work oh, that's as awesome a, man 
Yeah. And so, that was a lot when we were students, I think. Yeah. So this is like, you know, we had at least 100% inflation till since then. So I was literally traveling abroad. I went went to UK, Hong Kong on my own money. I went, you know, I, I traveled across India. I bought myself a motorbike. Like it changed, life changed completely from absolute uh, no money, absolute humiliation because of money to in few in a year or so like it was like abundance right like i can do anything be anywhere do anything like that yeah, it's really and, awesome. yeah and so so why it happened like i was and it happened again with startups many different organizations even large organizations like lnt because i was never thinking that why should i add value to this person it started with like okay you asked me to do something. I didn't ask, okay, how much will I charge to review this? No, like they sent it to me and I reviewed it and I did a great job. I wrote 109 comments on the document saying that, look, these are the problems. Fix this, fix this, fix this. So when somebody gets that quality of work without even asking or without even expecting or without even getting or having to pay for it, it instantly builds trust and credibility. There is no question that I can do it or not. They haven't seen this level of competence otherwise, right? They can't find somebody like this. So then, okay, then you either work with me or not. So in this case, I I, I realized now much many years later that I had literally taken over the job of the, uh, you know, like the entire content creation for that, that entire course, right? And I was managing 20 freelancers and delivering entire work so the work that let's say a certain manager was supposed to do they literally gave it to me and they were outsourcing it and paying it they didn't have a, have have to give me a job i was doing all of it and more and yes i was earning good amount of money but i was delivering tremendous value like i have delivered 10x more value than what i've charged so i think that has been a st uh, steady thing even now when i am offering courses the question is that okay this person is buying a course worth 50,000, but will he be able to earn 5 lakh rupees from it in the next 6 months, in next 1 year? Then why not? So I am not charging based on uh, how much effort we are putting in or what I do. I mean, there is no limit to that anyway, right? So people don't succeed. It, That's so true. I'm working on that. So, yeah. so if it is so clear that this is what you're getting from me and this is what you're paying for, money is never a problem. Mm -hmm. So I think People should initially build that trust and mm. relationship and credibility. And it happened every single time. Like I, I have, you know, let's say a startup and they say that, okay, we are, we are getting to know each other and like, okay, can you help me with this? Yeah. Yeah. Just let's get it done. Like no problem. And I wouldn't ask for money for that because they are a small startup. Now imagine that same person grows big. Like it has happened so many times that, you know, I helped somebody in a very bad jam and then they became CEO of a, of like a huge billion dollar company. And then they want me to help them with X, Y, Z. Uh, as a fourth year law student, I did my first venture capital, uh, you know, you know, shareholder agreement and deal. Oh, wow. That's great. And I got did you do it by yourself and... or did you have uh, like, a senior? I, I did yeah. it with like one friend you know batchmate or some stuff like that got some guidance from seniors also but how did i get the work they paid me eighty thousand rupees for it so i i got the work because 
that like you know the day the first time i made i saw the ceo giving a speech somewhere i got his card i started sending him relevant information for him and it was not a strategic decision i like this company i like the guy i want them to succeed so if i find read something which is relevant to them i should send it to them and say that look this will be useful for you after and i didn't even get a response first two three times but i let you send it then one day the guy calls me up and says you know let's meet and then he says that okay you know we need to sign a share you know we need to sign a non disclosure agreement can you help me with this and i did it i didn't ask for money he we did there was no conversation for money okay here is it and you know this is how you should negotiate it these are the important things and then that then you know, couple more things i helped them out with and one day it, it was like you know i spoke to a lot of lawyers for drafting our shareholder agreement and doing the deal and uh, we are not happy with anyone why can't you do it i'm like look i have never done anything like this i have no idea how to do it is like if i could start a startup when i was in id karapur in fourth year and build this now i'm raising money why can't you do it <laughs> you can also do it just figure it True. out that's a very nice way of thinking right and this guy had so much faith in me because he didn't hesitate to give me the work because he he, he got to know me over time and i never made it and i i see so many people they're like what will i get out of it like you haven't even done anything in your life go help somebody first build a relationship then you can you will get paid it's not a problem how can but if you make that a barrier at every step that you are not going to give value to somebody because they're not paying you right now then you are condemned to struggle for money oh it's a very different approach you know ramanuj because this is not the traditional approach that we think we are always having that capitalist mindset no or rather we are fed that capitalist mindset that you have to you know everything is money time is money this is money you know uh, and this is this is the other way around it's like give value and then then money is there's no limit to that so i agree now to uh, just to sort of segue into what you did with law seeko because that really is is what i think that's what brought you on on what how i got to know about you because i think i saw some lossico ads some time ago not not now it's been a couple of years why did you start lossico now that's my number one question what is your vision why did you know uh tell us everything about lossico how did it come about and what are you doing now and what do you plan to do with it okay so uh lossico so when i was like back then when all this thing was happening so i i did a lot of internships with like you know law firms and uh, even in in mumbai for that matter with a dispute like i was interning at this chambers where of were george where sorry where were you in bombay chambers of george revelo acha so they are a shipping law firm they are actually the top shipping law firm and uh, there was ashwin shankar you were the partner and Asha. you were doing a lot of uh, arbitration litigation and i would but all on maritime side and some other stuff also but maritime Asha. and other stuff it was a mainstay then i would you know accompany him for this very high value uh, arbitration matters and you know get to see it and i was shocked and i felt that this system don't work at all like there's no uh, fairness it's not working like you know i i would see like there's a there's a arbitration matter going on and you know the the arbitration cost has exceeded 2 crores and it is over like 1 and 1/2 crores 
and it is going on for eight years. Yeah. I see. Like it happened to me. Yeah. Arbitrators are coming and meeting, and they don't want to even hear the matter. They're like, okay, okay, cancel. They want just want more and more dates because perhaps it is in their financial interest to have more dates and not move it along and. It was very disheartening to see how things were, and so even in like when we saw, uh, you know, like uh, criminal litigation, it was so disheartening. Like you know, literally, lawyers themselves don't know how to do the work. Many of them working just as touts in the court, getting the matter somehow from somebody, taking some money, and then getting. They don't even know how to write a bail application. Then there are lawyers who are just doing the same work. Like they are taking the same mail application and filing it for everyone. They don't even know how to change it according to the circumstances. It was so sad to see, and and then it was like, okay, not working. The system is not working. Like just not like there is there are some things that work, but there is it's so inaccessible, so like highly disappointing. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, so so it was like, okay, what do we do? Like what can I do about this? And so i was clear that i don't want to work in the system because i will not be able to change the system if i like i can't do much of an impact i can do my work well that's it mm. and that would not be a systemic change yeah the question was that, okay what can i do can i be a professor and the idea was no like you know that's also another yeah, limited impact right very limited impact so what else can i do can i start an ngo i worked with some ngos and i realized that even like you know they are doing some good work and in some pockets but it's not having yep. I, i didn't we could not visualize me having an impact through that and then the question was that what else can i do and i was hanging out with a lot of startups in calcutta and i was seeing these people like you know doing really interesting stuff using software building systems and felt like okay maybe this can do something and my first thing my, my first obvious idea was that okay there is a big lack of knowledge about law in the in the world like you know yes. in yeah especially like you can't even find information right so unless you're a lawyer you can't read some law reports and ja case law and whatever statutes you can't even understand what is going on yeah so so my first in, uh, thing was that okay let's build blogs and make this information available so i pleaders blog i started when i was in law law school fourth year 2009 it started and initially it was also to promote our like we had started a legal risk management consultancy in college abhyus and i and we realized that oh, you lovely. know uh, because we cannot take legal work so to speak as a, we are not yeah of course you can you don't you not qualified yet so we created this idea concept that we will do legal risk management so you tell a company that we will identify your legal risks and suggest things you can do to more minimize them and we worked with a lot of different companies one of them was even lnt larsen and two so we are doing that and it was uh, doing well to but to it was a bit of a challenge because a lot of people don't take us seriously because we are students yeah i was just thinking about that actually that uh, it was first of all quite brave of you to go and to, i have so many questions on how did you even have the mindset to think that yeah let's go after it what did you guys do you would just write cold emails to these companies or you would just go and meet them at conferences like how would you do yeah, it physical networking like we literally talk to everyone we knew and we'll ask them how we want to do this can we do it for your company let's do it let's have a meeting we'll not charge anything let's get started something like that 
and that's how we got like it it's it's very interesting i would once i met somebody in a train and that guy turned out to have a connection with the ceo of a group of companies in calcutta and he would introduce us so i had no oh, that's it. amazing uh, so, so basically had... the thread sorry i'm cutting you but basically the thread is seems to be that you've always been thinking you know what's next and how do i sort of uh, you really good at spotting opportunity and acting on that like i don't think you think as much like i mean if i'm speaking for myself i tend to overthink everything you know there's an opportunity i'm like oh balance you know we'll do pros and cons analysis and all we don't like directly jump and start swimming so i think that's something i'm i'm taking away from this conversation today at least from you so sorry no i am very high uh, failure tolerance so it's like <laughs> I think that is your superpower. Yeah, because, because most I of us are terrified of failure. I'm, 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 I'm assuming that I'm going to fail, and I'm going to learn from it, and I'm going to try again. Mm. And I do it a hundred times, but till I get get results. So, so that's very clear to me that there will be mistakes and there will be failures, and it will happen a thousand times. But with every time you iterate and learn, of and course, yeah, better. that's yeah. it. Yeah, I'm learning this from you, yar. I feel like uh, God put you today to teach me this lesson because I tend to overthink a lot about everything. I thought so much before I quit my job to start Daily Lawyer. You should see all the sheets I've made, pros, cons. How am I going to do projection of my finances? Oh God, don't tell me. No, that's okay. You should do that. It's useful. I but don't think everything works out also it. according to just plan, yeah. Exactly. Just don't expect that it will go along that road. Yeah. But that initial calculation is very important. It is not useless. It is very useful because you keep reiterate. You that is what you I reiterate again. Like you are going to keep working on that because you need some initial idea of where you stand and anchor. Yeah. Even if it goes wrong, you're like, okay, this is where I'm going off. Huh. That helps you to understand. So that that planning is not futile. It is very useful. Thank you. I think I have a lot to talk to you about in so many things, but I'm gonna try and stick to the, uh, you know, your career journey because I keep sure. thinking of tangents when you're speaking. Uh, okay, so what I wanted to ask you was about uh, lawyers, because so you know you. Finish one thing. Oh, sorry, one sorry, 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 sorry. I sorry. was just saying that you know why we did the blog. In also there was a selfish interest apart from making information available. was that we realized that whenever people like we can overcome being young and uh, people not taking us seriously number one i had noticed when I, whenever i was teaching people mm. and i taught them they had a different view of me and they mm. were not hesitant to give me work legal work so that was one part of it and second part of it was that i realized that you know when like we can write a book or something like that that really yeah. yeah write your profile and that's something that i can do so writing a book is a great idea but a blog also was a great idea to promote a promote a services business right so that's why that's how we started and it started doing like initially the blog hardly had any response but i it was like a mission it was very a missionary approach it kept publishing kept publishing even when i got a, i was working at trilegal for a year in mumbai and i still kept writing on the blog and that is actually when the blog started taking off a little bit 
and yeah so 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 that that was one systemic change i wanted to do and that has i believe to an extent we have succeeded today because we have almost absolutely 5 6 million readers on ipdos blog every month so so we are touching over 5 crore people in a year now and that's that feels like yeah we have succeeded at some to to an extent we have succeeded on that but then then the next thing was that okay blog and access to knowledge is okay but while i was working with all these startups and some other companies and all i realized that they like exactly your feeling that the that people badly need legal knowledge having legal knowledge is a tremendous competitive advantage so when i was still in college we went and pitched it to our vice chancellor there was professor shamnath bashir so we went and told them there was me and abhi we went and told them that you know and you just should launch a course where these kind of things are taught entrepreneurs and managers should be taught business law and in this manner and like in this one very practical approach like you know how you know what should be your business structure how do you absolutely yeah uh, how do you register your ip or should you do it or not and what how to go about it how to go about your business licenses and everything like the whole week came up conceptualized to every different modules for 12 months and said this is how it should be happening and thankfully professor mp singh and shamnath these were very progressive forward looking people and they thought okay students are doing something good let's encourage them and very soon like we didn't have been very soon it took one and half year to get through but finally we got a contract from venues that okay you guys can launch these courses but we won't put up any money you guys do whatever you want just give us whatever 40% revenue share and you guys manage your costs and everything out of your 60% and that then we quit our jobs at trilegal to run these programs and in the first year we did 1 crore of revenue wow um, yeah and by the way it's not enuges like because enuges had programs on their own which doesn't sell more than 10 or 20 or 100 and then they had programs with another startup that time rainmaker yeah uh, rainmaker program was also not successful and our program was wildly successful it is because of our approach and and like how we marketed and how we looked at the program and what we delivered and everything our the way we did business was very different and it was very successful in the first we sold 500 courses in the first year wow And, and each course was how long? One year, one year courses. One we had only one. And these are course. like you, you termed it quarter. We sold it to five hundred people. One course. We yeah, yeah, I understood that, but it's like, uh, oh, so you sold five hundred people the your course, and this is like what you call it a diploma in business laws or di- something. It was a diploma course, one year diploma course. It was. And each course, course, you you priced each course at what? Back then, it was twenty thousand rupees. That's pretty good, yeah. yeah. This is what twenty eleven, twelve. Twenty twelve. Twenty thousand is not that was not a small amount for us to put in a course, especially, you know, uh, not bad, great actually. Sorry, go on. So so it was like uh, so so we identified the actual need of the market. We sold it. It was very successful. and we also had like you know we had the blog and we had so many other things we had built over time like the personal brand we had built over time everything came handy that time and then 
then this this was working and we decided okay let's scale this i think we had only one course for the first two or three years and then we had uh, we had so so this was going well and then there was a new vice chancellor and he had to pay seventh pay commission to the in nujs and he didn't have money and he was stuck so he called us and he told us that you know nls bangalore makes 8 crore per year from distance courses they don't have online courses we have done online courses and they got some accolades also and you just got some accolades from sils is that oh you are doing so many different courses reaching out to so many people so they were very happy and they said okay why don't you you know launch some more courses and tell us what we have to do so that we can get to that kind of like 8 crore revenue like nls because that their entire revenue from the students was around 5 6 crores and they were getting 1 crore from our courses already and they wanted to scale it up so we said okay it's possible and here is how it is possible these are the programs you have to learn this is how we go about it this is like there was a four year plan and we said okay let's start executing one or two parts we started executing and it really grew like you know so uh in 2017 nujs was earning about 1 1 and 1/2 crore pure profit from these programs and this is compared to like whatever like this was contributing yeah. 15% of their annual budget wow and next year it was 2018 it would become 30% because it is also growing is rapidly because yeah and so we were very happy but we were we we thought that we need to tell our teachers at nujs about this and so that they will be more cooperative because a lot of places we are not getting cooperation so we we went and told them that you know this is what is we, we have been able to do for the university it is so good and we can this year it will be 30% and we more in the future and then we thought okay we will get their cooperation but exactly opposite happened because they were like oh my god there's a private company which is earning money from our university's name what is their qualification they just because they are alumni they are doing this and it's a big blunder we didn't even do a what is it called a tender before giving them this project tender yeah. doesn't apply because they didn't give us any money to yeah. but still there was a lot of protests and all of that yeah. and then there was a change in the vice chancellor the previous vice chancellor had to step down because of some student protests over administration and the new vice chancellor who was acting vice chancellor just came and stopped the programs overnight and stopped did not even refuse to do any interaction with us uh, stopped paying us money there was about some 1 crore rupees due they just shut it down didn't oh pay. god and uh, so the accumulated dues over like 3 4 months just didn't pay didn't give certificate to the students put up a notice on the website saying that all these courses are suspended until further notice oh dear and then there were 3 and half thousand students studying different courses at that point of time everybody was calling us saying that oh my god what have you done like you know you guys give us our certificate and like how can we do it do you enroll with any users thank god they all enrolled with nujs on their website paid money to nujs didn't pay to us so we said you know you go and claim it from nujs we can help you to file cases against them we filed cases against them and we helped the students to file cases but yeah basically our business was wiped off 
because it was 90% of our revenue. And Lossico was a small side project we had. They wouldn't give us permission to launch courses fast enough. So certain courses we will launch outside them on our own on Lossico. But it was very small, like, you know, maybe three, four lakh revenue per month or something like that. So anyway, we had to ask, we had, we had a 50 people team then. So we had to ask most of the people that, look, we are not going to be able to pay your salary. You guys go and find another job. We'll try to help you. But this is it. And then 14 people refused to leave. They said, let's try again with Lossico, what we can do. How nice. said, so let's try. And so first month, our goal was that somehow we have to make 5 lakh rupees revenue. Then we will survive. We'll be able to pay office rent and 50% salary to everyone. We made 8 lakhs that month somehow. Oh, wow. And then after that, we kept then that was that that was very clear then you know the university thing was totally unnecessary we could do it on our own we were selling the courses on the strength of the what people learned and the value yeah. so we just kept doing that and then we grew very fast from there so 8 lakh then 10 lakh per month then 30 lakh per month then 50 lakh per month now we have what three and a half crore per month revenue that's amazing and, uh, and this is only from law Seco. This is from Lawsico. So Skill Arbitrage we launched this month in this another brand which is for non-lawyers. And that would be like maybe 15% or 20% of our revenue from this month. But yeah, this is entirely... So what does Skill Arbitrage do? Skill Arbitrage is doing what we did for through Lawsico for lawyers. But for non-lawyers. But for non-lawyers. Yeah. Okay, lovely. So this is something that even I want to do. I don't want to do... I mean, I don't... I'd love to speak to lawyers and law students but I genuinely believe that Maybe because of my background uh, and what I've seen and learned in the last 14 years of my career, I believe that it's important for everyone to understand law. Every single person. And arbitrage programs are non-law programs too. Like they are like other non-law. Oh, okay. So you're not teaching law to non-lawyers. You're teaching something else. Yeah. In law, law, non, like law to non-lawyers, we teach within law school itself. Achha. Okay. So skill arbitrage is what? Like soft skills and things like that, is it? How do you leverage? Uh... So basically, the, the what we realized, like since the pandemic, the inflection, big inflect, one big inflection point for for us was realizing that there's no reason for us to restrict to a city or a, to my own state or my own country, even for that matter, right? So if you can work remotely, you can work remotely from anywhere in the world, right? Yeah. So, so you can work for US lawyers, you can work for UK lawyers, you can work for startups in the US. You can, and that's doing, a lot of our students are working for startups in the US. In But US. what kind of work are you doing? Can you say startups in the US or where? In fact, that was truly my next question because I see posts about Africa and about other places in Asia and Europe and things like that. And I keep wondering, what is this work that you're doing? So we started with lawyers. So lawyers in the pandemic where so our entire appeal of law even before the pandemic was that we help people to get jobs internships and jobs and internships right maybe clients okay but what happened during the pandemic is there was jobs were resigned people were fired internships cancelled clients not paying everyone was in such bad shape and i was literally getting calls every day multiple calls saying that what do we do? Please help. Can you help me to get a job? I'm desperate. And 
I got this idea that there has to be some way out, right? And I was thinking about it day and night. And then I realized that why can't we help these people to get a job, let's say, in the US? Because in US, if somebody is willing to work for $8 or $10 per hour, it's a very attractive pricing as a paralegal, as a lawyer, as a whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, why can't I help these people to get that job? What do I have to do to make it happen? Initially, I did one program with a US, US law school, actually, Texas A&M University Law School. Then I did launch more programs on our own. And we helped people to learn, let's say, US patent law or US real estate law, US contract drafting. And if they can learn something in six months, they can actually, even faster than that, they can get uh, and remote job or remote freelance work. Initially, people started getting work from Upwork, Fiverr, that kind of platform, remote, okay. So many other platforms are there, but then they would start writing directly. We created our US company to help bridge the gap with those opportunities. And basically, thousands of people have been able to get free, remote work, freelance work, and much better things than, they, than what they would get in India at any given point of time so like there's a student of mine who was doing litigation in delhi last year and now she's running a law firm in los angeles wow wow <laughs> yeah based in la or she's based in LA. i have so many questions like did she did that she, did she have to do her uh, bar exam there i'm presuming california she hasn't done her bar. bar exam. She's preparing with us for California bar exam. So, see, the thing is that... So, the, sorry, sorry. Just to... Just, if anyone else is wondering, because I've started in the US, so I know. Um, did she have to do her LLM or credits and all, all of that? Or you managed to get the... She had done an LLM five years back in the US, which did not help her to get started back then. So, But she had certain... Look, if you want to get California bar exam, you don't need to have any uh, US law degree. You can do it based on your, if you're a registered lawyer in India, you can give California bar exam. Achha. And is there any other bar in the, because in, so far as I know, it's only the New York and California bar that allows you, but then not any other bar in. New York is possible in our observation, if you have a three-year LLB degree, if you have a five-year LLB degree, they won't approve you. But you have to apply. In New York, it's a long process. You apply. They will say, okay, you can give and then you can write. California, it'll be easier. Okay. Sorry. Now go on. Sorry. Anyway, so, so the point is that, so, so anyway, law, like you can only work as a paralegal, for example, if you are not an attorney in the US. You can still work as a paralegal, but yeah, like it's not the best situation. But Tika, if you are earning $20, $30 per hour, as a paralegal, which you can, uh, then it's really good. And good paralegals can even charge $50 per hour. But then there are people who realize that, okay, I am doing working as a paralegal and earning good. Now I can get a business visa to the US because my earnings are so good. And I have so many clients in the US. Somebody will write me a letter. Now that is one part of it. Second part of it is that you then want to give a bar exam and become a qualified attorney because your income potential grows exponentially after that. So people are doing that. And not only in the US, they're doing it for Canada, for UK, all countries. Like we have 
some 50 people writing the uh, SQE in, in July, their results will be out. So we are waiting for that. The UK one, right? Yeah. So also SQE one. for UK, yeah. Yeah. So, so the next step was that we prepared people for these things, but we realized that law is highly regulated, much smaller industry. It's much bigger than India. Indian, entire Indian legal industry is $2 billion. US is like 330 billion, 350 billion dollars. UK is like around 70 to 100 billion dollars. Huge industries compared to India. Even South Africa legal industry is bigger than Indian legal industry. So now the situation is that you know we can place like a million lawyers from India into these jobs, and they are becoming financially independent. They are. It's really amazing to see people succeed so well, get jobs, which they're not able to get otherwise. Having the freedom, being able to be freelancers. There's like uh, 200,000 small law firms in the US, which are between two to eight lawyers or two to 10 lawyers, right? And these people are not able to use LPOs because the scale doesn't allow them to do it. But they can hire remote workers and scale better, reduce their cost. It makes no sense for them to not do it. There are a few things to be solved, like, you know, data confidentiality and so on. But even once they can do that, they can hire two to five remote freelancers to take care of so many different aspects of their business and legal work also. And that's something we believe that there's a scope for at least a million uh, remote freelancers in the future. Actually, the demand is bigger, much bigger than the supply. It's, we are, is it? That's a very heartening thought. No, the demand is much bigger than the supply. Because uh, also also quite radical, uh, what you have, all the things that you've said. And all the things, because I, I think when I was listening to you, I was thinking, oh my God, I think I was living in this small world of, small world of, uh, you know, all of these things that you're saying is quite, You've how did you get in touch with these people? How did you go and find these connections, let's say, in South Africa and the UK and preparing people for California Bar? Because you have not given California Bar. I don't know whether right. you have, uh, your your partners have given the California Bar, you know? So how did you, uh, and even Texas A&M and all of that, how did you think of going, how to get in touch with these people? I don't know. And I what kind of courses did you run for them? So Texas NM University, now we have an online LLM program in IP. Uh, but, oh, lovely, huh? but generally speaking, it's like, you know, you just, I don't know, like I haven't had a very specific strategy like that, that how I'm going to go, go, and, go and meet people. I'm doing what is making sense that, for example, I know, like, let's say take California bar exam, right? So I knew that I want to build a California bar exam product because it makes sense for my students. There are so many people who are, getting work with California lawyers. And it's one of the most progressive jurisdictions in terms of adopting to remote work. Startups are there. So how, I mean, it's it's just makes sense that my students should also clear the California bar exam. And such is luck that it allows you to do it. If you're a foreign lawyer, you can write the exam. You don't have to get an expensive US LLM, which is the main barrier for a lot of people. So then why can't they give it and and why can't they prepare for it? So what do I have? So, so we we literally like, you know, one of my colleagues went to California, spent time in the law school libraries, met a lot of people, brought back 40 kg of study material. 
and uh, then i have a team here five people sat down and we we have created our pathway like what how you will teach what will be our different way of teaching what kind of content we are going to create so we figured that out and just started building and same like sqe for example and then we will you know that when the time comes we also hire people who have cleared the california bar exam and we'll get them to take some classes so that we will do but generally we internally build a capacity to figure out what the program is like and that way we have built like you know for every exam like we have we have a team which basically have been cracking all different exams like starting from judiciary in india to ibps sab to any 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 other exam and and then sqe nca canada ontario bar exam so one thing is that you have what everything is available so for example sqe right so we bought all the courses that are there we saw what they're offering we thought how we can do it better and we really didn't find those courses good we found them terrible like you know the kind of uh, support that students get or the material it's just like you have some pdfs read this there are some quizzes you take this there are some flashcards do you also have flashcards flashcards so you yeah, used to get flashcards you know yeah. yeah but really that's not the value right so so we there are better like when we actually to think of it a judiciary exam let's say in up or <laughs> delhi is much harder to crack than a california bar exam like forget crack like even studying like there's no comparison right and the amount of analysis that goes into paper to understand paper trends what the value what to spend time on nobody has done real analysis on these papers so in in india we really have technology for cracking exams like we are a country of people who are like you know try to compete exams and yeah. like absolutely and like you know really we really invest in that i don't think people in the us even think like that right so we we hack exams like we figure out okay this is the this is how they are whatever like there's a different way of thinking and preparing and so so we analysis we have, was the correct word we have been trying and figuring out this kind of things how we can uh, crack these exams and there's so much uh, you know so much like you know what kind of mock test people should be giving what kind of uh, you know what should be the where to focus more where to focus less there's a lot that can be figured out and we are still early in the curve in these exams i'm sure like, i mean we are waiting for our first results like when we have 50 50 people cracking this we'll start selling on those countries also right now we're selling it to indians only okay sounds exciting uh, but now tell me given that you are working with not just indian lawyers i'm presuming you also work with a lot of other jurisdictions what would you say on a comparative basis are some of the strengths that you see in us do you see any differences that's my first question because i have also had a pan uh, you know a pan global sort of experience so i definitely have seen differences in the way we work in the way we approach things in the way other people approach like culturally also across the world so what would you say are the some of the strengths that we have what would you say some of the weaknesses that we have that we can uh, truly work on it because i believe that india is becoming you know uh, quite global and this is like the india inc yeah, so the strength that i see is that people have very good english communication skills and overall good communication skills in india i mean they may not be polished but there's a difference between polish and communication and they have they are very hard working uh i mean 
can't generalize, but a lot of people are hardworking. Those who are hardworking are very hardworking. Then there are uh, there is a lot lot hung lot more hunger and you know striving to do something like that. That's a different level altogether here. Indian lawyers, when I see American lawyers and Indian lawyers, a lot of Indian, they are better with numbers. I find this very funny in the US that people really struggle with numbers and Indian lawyers are good with numbers. Like generally speaking, not doesn't apply to everyone, but pretty good overall. Of course, there are exceptions, but in general, so far I agree with everything. I would say these are some of the trends that I have seen. Then I see that you know uh, there's huge advantage that Indian lawyers have over developing developed country lawyers is that our charges are much less. Like you know, if you are charging twenty dollar per hour and you're work working two hundred dollar two hundred hours. You know, in a in a month, you end up earning four thousand dollars. That is a lot of money in India. Yeah, of course. And we have people working from small towns like Chimla or Jodhpur or like really smart people, good English educated people, uh, legal education, however, whatever. But definitely good English educated. And I mean, I think Indian legal education at least you learn to do case law research. You learn to write something and that much is there across the board uh, you may not be able to do great analysis or come up with stuff but that's not needed like there's a lot of work that you can do in law firms which is basically same work again and again like repetitive work and they struggle to find people to do it well and do it on a long term basis and that problem that's in so and actually it's not just there like it, same thing if you can learn the right skills you can get job in marketing sales operation everything right mm. those things are even easier to get working mm. compared to legal legal there's a lot of concern the only thing i think that is stopping it from blowing up even bigger is that a lot of lawyers in the us or uk they are conservative and worried about data protection issues and sharing client information with lawyers in another country with over whom they have, they feel they have less control or less oversight. Hmm. That is stopping a lot of. So that's it, a fair. That's a fair. Uh, that's a fair fear. Of course, but you have to understand today. Even military is working remotely, and there is military grade data security softwares. Right, coders are doing it. There is like everybody. Like they, there are solutions. It's not like there are no solutions. It's just lawyers are not used to them. Hmm. But given the economic incentive is so huge, imagine if you are, you know, a lot of lawyers have told me, let's say in California, that I can't find an English speaking paralegal who speaks correct English for $30 per hour. Like, we have a country full of them. Yes. And this is their problem. And, you know, uh, and, and let's say somebody is able to do IP law work, let's, let's say they will do work on office actions and they're a paralegal. They'll be charging you $50, $60 per hour and you won't find anybody else like below that in the US if you hire mm. physically anybody competent. Here you can find a law, IP lawyer who have worked on those things who's probably as competent as the lawyer itself. Yeah, of course. Yeah. $20, $30 per hour and $10 per hour. Yeah. Right. That's less than minimum wage, man. Like Exactly. And they can hire at that price. So there's a huge incentive to learn how to work safely, securely with international remote workers, right? So so th that is that is why. Like once you start doing it, then you realize and then you you can you have comp 
competitive advantage over every other lawyer. And a big problem that US lawyers have is that even if they find a good paralegal, that paralegal will soon become a lawyer and leave or charge a lot more. Like it, you can't retain paralegals. Very big problem. So, mm. so they have huge problems that can be solved through easily, easily through the remote. It's like imagine there was a time when some companies in the US started outsourcing to China for their manufacturing, right? And others were like, no, no, this is not good. We will have better quality, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then you realize that those companies are buying your company few years down the line and you just yeah. don't have, it's economics, right? So the economics is so much better that everybody had to eventually outsource their manufacturing out of US. And that's going to happen. I'm not, I don't know, everybody will do it, but very significant. Yeah, the significant amount of people will, will shift towards. And if you don't, then over time, the other people will have so much more advantage over you that they will get the clients. And by the way, big law firms already lean on LPOs in a very big way. And and, and other processes like this, there are like uh, LPOs with 30,000, 40,000 employees in India and elsewhere also. And it has happened in every industry and uh, big law firms are already doing it. Small law firms couldn't do it because they, they cannot just hire an LPO for a 50 people process. It just doesn't work for them, right? Mm-hmm. Their work is not homogeneous. Their work is not scalable. It cannot be outsourced as a process. But yeah, but they can hire remote workers. So that's that's the change that happened after the pandemic because they realized that we can work remotely. So a lot more people are open to working remotely. Yeah, especially in our field. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think I asked you all of the questions that I wanted to ask you in this section. Uh, and then there's a second section of the podcast that I do only because I like doing it. I like knowing the answers that come. So this is a simpler one. It's uh, I call it five, four, three, two, one. Okay. So I ask you five of something, four of something, three of something. And the idea is that you answer quickly as in, you know, like simple, uh, whatever comes to your mind. So shall I start? Yes, please. Five productivity tips. You are the, the good person to tell me about this productivity tips. So five productivity tips or routines or some things that have helped you. You can use your apps also. You have any apps that you want to share? Five productivity tips. Okay, so first thing is that have one or two priorities for the entire month. So, you know, there's always some big problems that you're trying to solve. Like for me, yeah. it's three months, right? And obviously there are 10, 20, 100 things you can do, but don't worry about that. Just do that one thing if possible, maybe two things at all. And that's all, right? If preferably, what is that one thing if you could do, it will change everything. So just do that one thing and ignore everything else. There would be 100 things you can do always, but ignore 99 things and do that one thing. That is like the most important, like just focus on that problem for long enough. And that is one very big important thing, like to ignore everything else and focus on one major thing. Uh, another is that learn to hire people, learn to hire and manage people, because if you're trying to do big things, you'll have to do that. And there's no other way. Trying to do everything on your own is foolish. You'll never be able to do as much as a team will be able to do. And even if you are very good at your work, you must leverage your abilities with a team. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a very basic thing that a lot of people miss out on. Um, 
what else uh, i think sleeping early is a very big productivity hack people miss out on sleeping you, early means what sleeping early like early yeah. in the night like don't sleep yeah. like ha okay yeah i agree with you how early like early uh, so, early. so, so yes. why uh, uh, why is that because um, so one thing is that your entire brain performance and health everything depends on good quality sleep basically sleeping patterns are very important and if you get enough deep sleep if you get enough high quality sleep rem sleep which i track very religiously that uh, has a huge impact on your productivity and mental health and ability to get work done uh, and a lot of people who are suffering from mental health issues or not low productivity issues often have sleeping problems which they don't connect but yeah. you have to see and and also the thing i realized that if you sleep early you get more deep sleep deep restorative sleep absolutely so that's that almost doubles for me if i sleep at 10 o'clock rather than mm. 12 mm. so this year in fact one of my goal is to sleep between 10 and 11 am 11 pm every day and uh, the other thing is that i think you will not be productive unless you take care of your health in in the way that for example i see all the time my students will come and say sir i'm not able to focus i'm not able to get this done i'm getting distracted and every time i tell them can you please do your vitamin b12 and d3 tests and it will always come below required levels and look if you don't have vitamin b12 your brain doesn't work your nerves don't work you're not going to be high performing this is not enough there are other things like for me it is taking a lot of supplements that helps so i take a lot of supplements every day and i have consulted experts and biohackers and like i religiously take my supplements and it completely elevated my mental performance and uh, ability to get work done ability to stay calm completely absolutely changed so can you share what kind of supplements i'm presuming b12 and d3 are part of these are basic so so some things i can recommend to everybody is d3 b12 uh magnesium because magnesium is a very critical element and then uh, vitamin c i guess so these are things that you need to take in high dosage and like you know figure it out i can't recommend a dosage yeah of course but yeah you know you can figure out at least these things this will uh, like but it's like this vitamin d3 and b12 is like almost everybody is deficient in this and you sure. suggested at a normal level is for you to not to fall sick but for a elevated performance you need even higher levels of it so that's one basic thing you should check magnesium is like anti stress it's it's an element which keeps stress in control there's a lot of other things it does but a lot of you have to be careful about the supplements you take most of the supplements you can buy from amazon or from a drug store they have very low dosage they have un, like they have uh, like things inside them which are not bioavailable so even if you are taking it it has no impact on your health because it's not it's not doesn't get absorbed so for example a lot of magnesium uh, supplements have magnesium oxide which is not bioavailable it's not going to help you in any way but they will show you oh my god it has so much magnesium in this supplement but it will not work and it's very difficult for somebody who doesn't study this to know you have to really like educate yourself before mm. you can get and and there are very few doctors who can help you with preventive healthcare or mm. functional health so one level is that okay you're not sick 
and doctors will stop there now if you want to know how you can elevate your performance right there are experts and usually people who hired them are like billionaires millionaires would hire them there it's a it's a culture in the silicon valley in us in the biohackers people who really study not they you are sick that's a different thing another thing is that how do you elevate your performance how can you have higher metabolism maybe or how can you have higher brain performance how can you have higher levels of immunity so that you don't fall sick and so on like you know how can you recover quicker from illness or you how can you recover uh, quicker from fatigue if you're working out and so on. so there are people who study that and there are uh, science how can you live longer for that matter mm-hmm. how can, how can you stay younger for longer and there are people and companies and uh, even universities which which are studying these things mm-hmm. that information is not available to your local doctors or even your specialists right so it is very important one big problem i have seen in a lot of people in india is that they have parasite infestations and i also had it myself and there are no proper tests to detect it very difficult and solving it was one of the critical you know massive improvements after that acha when we are young our parents may you may have had the same experience they would make us eat a lot of bitter stuff yeah neem karela and i don't know what all like very bitter stuff and very bitter stuff and they make that thing no with neem that chota goli that you have to eat once a year oh god hmm that was horrible and that that was very important because yeah. not having that basically causes huge parasite infestations and it need not be only in your uh, intestine in, in intestine it can be anywhere in other places of your body muscles bone joints everywhere Achha. so and how sorry so so the problem is that there are a lot of like there are like 70 80000 types of parasites in india and they are endemic everywhere okay if they will come from water they'll come from skin they'll they just come from anywhere and uh, it's a forgotten disease like you know it's not researched it is not you know but the parasites open the doors for others like fungus and then virus and bacteria they reduce your immunity they reduce they screw up your metabolism at many different levels and so what happens is that you don't know all these are there doctors don't look for them doctors treat keep treating the symptoms but you keep having more and more of those symptoms and it doesn't get solved over time one after another thing and there are no so the there are like there is one test that is in india everywhere everywhere they do which is basically corpogram which is they actually look into your bodily waste if there are any eggs or any body parts of a this thing first of all that only applies to intestinal uh, par- parasites but then there are other parasites so for example in my case i had something called uh, toxoplasma okay and this 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 hides in muscles and joints and it created massive problems and i wouldn't know and then then i started so basically how i treated it was that i started taking some very bitter juices every day and like three different types of them because these parasites are highly evolved and they can very easily adapt to different kind of things in, including medicines they are like sure. super organisms they are very they are super bacteria which are very hard to kill and if you kill them with one 
uh, antibiotic, the next generation will be resistant to the antibiotic. Wow. For example, Helicobacter, which most people have in India again. So, so basically what happened is that you, uh, so, so I realized that you have, I have to keep treating, like I have to keep taking bitter stuff. And after I started taking this bitter stuff, initially it was like some common Indian herbs, Kalmik, Neem, etc. And then I graduated to something called Mugwort, which is Artemisin. There's another, another, uh, it's actually also the current treatment of malaria comes from the same herb, Artemisin. Achha. So I took that and after that I, uh, then, then some other things and it just, uh, I had massive improvement in my metabolism, health and like, you know, I lost uh, some 10 kgs in few months, month, few weeks in fact. I had a huge problem with my hip joint where I had developed something called necrosis, avascular necrosis and no doctors could fix it and after this, in a week, it shifted, and now. But I'm who like, did somebody tell you to do this, or just? And guidance, I had guidance of some expert. functional medicine doctor, so you knew like how to make that. Oh, uh, that I know we've we've gone sort of very far away from the from the uh, the talk, and I don't but know. The point is that this is, a, this is if you are having if you want high productivity, you have to solve this level of problems over time. Only mm -hmm. willpower is not going to see you through, and <laughs> you have to take care of your health in this way. That's the point. Yeah, I'm. I, I now that you're telling me, I think I have to check. I always thought that I have chronic back pain after because I have two kids, and uh, after I, you know, my I delivered my younger one, I was like, okay, it's very normal. But now that you tell me, it's entirely possible that it's something else. So let me try. So the point is that it's a very good idea to assume that you have some or the other parasites, and you have to keep them in check because it's just everywhere. There's no way. Like, how are you not going to have it? there is a body oh one easy way of checking that if you have high eosinophil count so if your eosinophil count what 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 count so if you have you would be like wherever you go to doctor they want a test one of the common tests they do is a complete blood count so look at your complete blood count and look at your eosinophil count so there eosinophil is a white blood corpuscle red blood corpuscle and there's wbc and RBC. so w one type of wbc is eosinophil and when you have parasites it grows in numbers. Yeah. Okay. So you'll have a higher count, basically, you're saying, of your sinophin. Yeah. I'm technically a science student, but then figures, right, shows how much of a science student I am. <laughs> okay. Uh, four books that you'd recommend to anyone. Four books. Okay. So one one is Never Eat Alone. There's a very cool book I read in college. Very, uh, it's by Kit Ferrazi. Then there's a book called How to Argue and Win Every Time. This is by uh, Jerry. I forgot his name. Mm -hmm. We'll figure it out and put it in the. In yeah. The... So this is this is a book called How to Win, uh, How to Argue and Win Every Time. It's written by a former attorney general of U.S. and he actually won every criminal case he ever argued, and a civil he didn't lose a civil case for thirty years. So, wow. So it's a it's a really let me just check for how can I forget the name. I haven't heard of this book, so it sounds like it sounds very interesting. I should, and I read a lot. Jerry Spence. 
Jerry scripts, is it? S E R I spins. Yeah. And there's what else? Like, you know, books, I think, depends on your areas of interest. What what book I would have really liked? Zero to One by Peter Thiel. That was a great book. Yeah. Very exciting to read that. Uh, Did you use any of those? Like, do you think that that helped you in building your businesses? Yeah, sure. Like, it doesn't help you in building a business, but in developing the thinking, like, you know, in... Uh, mm. So I believe that to build a so at, at, to, if you want to build like a really successful startup, right? You need a theory of change. So this is what I say that you need a theory of change. The theory of change is that where the world is headed, what is where do you want it to be, right? And uh, what what are you what can you do to either accelerate it or change the direction? And and you know what what is your startup going to do towards that? And this is the theory of change, and this is very important. And zero to one is like more philosophy than just business. It's not like implementable information. Mm. It is your How mindset. Do you think? Develop your mindset zero mm. to one. that way mm. to understand what is important and what is not. That mm. is that is the book. Uh, so the concept of zero to one is that. Um, so, so, you know, if you have something already to replicate is not as difficult as to invent it in the first place. Yeah. So zero to one is like when you have zero, which is like nothing. And from there you are bringing something into existence. It's the zero to one process and Achha. entrepreneurs do zero to one. Yeah. So, so the big companies are not able to do zero to one usually. Yeah. If they're able to do, they can't do anything with it. So zero to one is that like individuals, dreamers and, you know, inventors and they create a zero to one. So if you say that, you know, I am, this is a problem and I'm going to solve it and this is going to happen. Now, a lot of things, there's no, there's no manuscript for there. There's no uh, blueprint for it, right? You just can't follow and get, do it, right? But okay, now let's say you have done it once. You can do one plus one. Yeah. One plus nine, all of That's that. True, yeah, you can keep you can keep mutating it, but correct. So creating the first course and making mm -hmm. sure the first student gets a job or he actually learns is zero to one because you don't mm -hmm. know how to do it for the first time you're doing. Mm -hmm. so doing it a hundred, do done it a hundred times, doing it a thousand times is just killing. Yeah. That's one to ten or one to hundred or one to million. But zero to one is a very hard thing to do. So that mm -hmm. book is about that, zero to one. Mm -hmm. And uh, final fourth one, fourth one. Okay, so this is I read this book, I really uh, liked it's uh, recently it's very practical, there is nothing, but I, I would suggest it because if you have law students and lawyers listening to it, they can really implement it immediately. That is Cold Email Manifesto by Alex Barber. Okay, wow, so it's a very small book, short. Uh, but very practical. Everything you learn there, you can immediately implement and yeah. start out more, get more clients. Highly recommend. Cold email manifest. If I even I need it, all of us need it. So, mm -hmm. by who is that, Alex? Alex Barber. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, three tips you'd like to give current law students or young law uh, young graduates. Three tips. Okay, so one thing that I see them, a lot of them find struggling with is that, okay, what is going to my, be my area of expertise? Mm. 
Now, most probably there is no one magic area of expertise for you that you know you are meant for that one thing. Mm. But uh, most people waste a lot of trying and effort trying to find this magical niche for themselves. Don't do that. So what you should do is just take something which is very fascinating for you and jump deep into it and do a lot. Like you know, go deeper and deeper into it as soon as possible. Don't listen to. anybody who says don't specialize early in your career all that is stupid just focus massively into something because that's the only way you can stand out and get work in a world where senior more senior lawyers obviously have an advantage over you right so if you want to get work and you want to earn well and you want to get some quick results you should deeply focus in a niche and build expertise in it as soon as possible and so that is that is one thing uh, the second thing is that even if you are not liking something just move on try the next fascinating thing it can happen sometime you know you thought okay ip law is going to be my life you know i love this thing and all this is you enjoyed studying it then you went to work and you realized oh my i'm i'm like bored to death in my life doing this i don't want to do it feel free to move out of that do another thing again you know mm. into it and figure it out but feel free to shift and by everything you have done once learned everything will be useful later on also nothing will be wasted none of the skills knowledge will be wasted it will be used somewhere else in some other way which you can't see right now just go into the next thing that fascinates you and keep doing this until you find something like you know but it don't do it like you know i i have done it for two months i didn't like it Like it has to be like at least couple of years or something that you have given to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, give it enough time. Yeah, real expertise and then yeah. you like it. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Because you are not supposed to like it in the beginning. Like you have no expertise, you have no abilities. You are not supposed to like it. It is supposed to be tough. But yeah, if you learn it, only then you know whether you know you are doing the real work. Then you figure out. So that's another thing. Uh, what else? Like and also don't hesitate to add skills which are. completely outside law everything will be useful and mm. there whole cult in the there are three cults in the legal profession which are very dangerous for young lawyers one is the cult of doom is that lawyers uh, have no opportunities the profession is if you are not from you are from first generation lawyer you won't survive you can't get more money from litigation in the first 5 years you have to just do this you can't get a job in a law firm if you're not from this kind there are like hundreds of those you can do this you can do that it's not possible in all of that right mm. and it's not just one person saying it you see you see like everybody so many people saying it believing in it living it breathing it that yeah reality for you it's a of it's course. a cult of doom okay so you have to stay away from this get out of it don't get caught up in it second there is like this uh, lionization of certain kind of lawyers that okay this is it this is how what everyone is supposed to be doing it's not true the fact is that what worked 20 years back for somebody to become a senior advocate doesn't work today at all never is going to work the profession is changing very fast the realities are changing very fast how it, it's and it's a market driven profession right all those heroism about you know doesn't work that you know you just study you just read you just read one case law a day all this nonsense is not going to work right you have to 
be finding problems and you have to deliver solutions like any other professional but more even so you have to solve people's problems if you effectively solve even one kind of problem you are going to make money you don't have to be mm. a ocean of knowledge so mm. like literally i have I had students come up to and say that seniors have told me you have to be a ocean of knowledge before you can make money and it's the most stupid thing you don't have to be okay you don't so you're not expected to be that why would you be expected to be an ocean of knowledge That's If nonsense. Ocean of knowledge, then you'll be earning a lot of money. This is what people believe. No, but that's stupid. No, I mean, uh, see, that's another reason why I started the podcast because people would say, you know, I used to tell people if you have a ear pain and you have a five-year-old in the house. Now my children are older than that, but when my daughter was five, and I'll tell my daughter, I am going to the dentist because my ear is paining. My five-year-old child or any five-year-old in your house will say, no, you're going to the wrong doctor because the dentist will not take care of your ear pain. But I, with an LLB degree. we are supposed to advise on everything from maritime to matrimonial to mergers to cooperative housing societies and everything in between and if we say no this is not my area of specialization they'll be like ah ko pata nahi hai yahi problem hai lawyers ka you know this is ridiculous so this ocean of knowledge concept falls in the same ridiculous category yeah yeah absolutely mm-hmm. now you know i have a student who basically earns about 5 to 10000 dollars a month just by doing notices and reply to notices for clients in he had clients from some 80 90 countries on all on all amazon and other e-commerce platforms that's all he does trademark wow. copyright notices right so day in and day out he and he was a criminal lawyer from agra okay and he did a course and he didn't even finish the course he just learned one part of it and just start he got this work on whatever platform and started doing it and now he has like probably almost so many he has like hundreds of d2c companies which are oh wow, that's amazing and he just gives no, just notice and reply to notice notice and reply to notice trademark copyright violation dmca that's it that's amazing but just think of the depth of knowledge in that one particular area right exactly you you would have you have like the now the notices come you you literally know exactly how things are going to pan out it's very valuable experience so much more valuable than someone okay i can't get over the ocean of knowledge thing i better stop because if somebody is like they'll probably not listen to me ever again then okay so yeah so basically this is this is this is another cult right that you yeah. have to be like a senior advocate they can take any man argue before supreme court they don't specialize why do you specialize you to, so they are like you have to become like the next senior advocate before the supreme court and that's what you must change right now everything else is nonsense so that is that is there then the third cult is <laughs> is what you are just saying you know like you know there is a huge cult of you know you have to uh, just put your head down and do the same thing that everybody else is doing and eventually you will succeed right and don't try other things don't try new thing and don't even don't even think of learning something which other lawyers are not learning right yeah why do you have to learn blogging why do you have i had so little 10 years back not, not anymore like we had this thing in our courses that you have to blog <laughs> every second month there will be a senior person who will be doing our course for some reason and then he'll she'll be like why will i publish blog on the internet why will i have to do this why will i have to write linkedin posts 
this is stupid you think i'll get clients on the internet this is stupid right like that i'm like uh. you're building your profile this is important this is the future and they'll be like they'll be fighting with us no you guys are all idiots you are doing stupid things this is against bar council of india's practice <laughs> what where like where did you even get this that you can't but anyway so by the way some of our students have gone on to become influencers build massive followings is it the, yeah absolutely like you know one of them amish agarwala acha oh yeah he was our student and there are many examples and and like there we there are some of them we have pushed that please start vlogging please start blogging please start making youtube videos or got them on our youtube channel first and then they started doing it's very interesting and this has been happening and and like it's very satisfying to see what we told people 10 years back now yeah the fruits of that yeah of course now now it has become to a point that it is hard to get into new niches like you you can't even like there are certain niches in content creation are taken like yeah, <laughs> yeah i know many people and yeah. it's saturated yeah you have to do other new things you are telling people don't do the same thing do something new yeah i so, know yeah. that's the that part for the course right when it comes to anything with digital it's just like it's, adoption is very quick um two life lessons that you have learned so far that you would like to share with everyone life lessons so uh, lot of life lessons full of lessons but mm-hmm. i think major lesson is that um, so that health is very important i think there was a time when i thought health will take care of your itself just keep working and like focus on like yeah. make take health second but now i don't look at it that way i think and and also that part of that is that you are in charge of your health not your doctor right if you outsource your health to your doctor then you deserve the horror that you are going to get <laughs> okay so so you have to educate yourself about your yeah. health and everything and it's everything is available today you can't it's like somebody comes and tells you that you know you are the lawyer and only you can understand your case that person is okay but that person is probably going to get the best results or the yeah. best doctor or whatever and now imagine there are people actually some very a uh, good people they study their own case they know stuff about it so we founders i meet right they know every regulation that applies to their industry fintech founders amazing yeah they fintech founders are really ve- because it's a very highly regulated industry yaar right. are so 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 exactly so they know their stuff and that's why they are where they are and yeah. why can't you figure out your health <laughs> you must <laughs> you must spend enough time yes. and effort uh learning about your own health and how to have it in high performance and not just worry about sickness but more than that how to be in good performance so that is one thing i feel uh second lesson would be that if you think the people who can help you probably they cannot help you <laughs> and you <laughs> help yourself much more so all the people who think oh just if i got in touch with that person and if only that person blessed me or only if that person would be in my side i would do so much not going to happen this is all fantasy right so just uh, be in your own corner and believe that you are going to, you have to do it somebody else is not going to do it for you you have to do it so might as well get started yeah and final question what is the best advice that you have received what is the best advice that i have received Mm, tough one. 
So one of the best advice my coach helped me to do this is to uh, to learn to focus, right? You know, like uh, if you you may have many different things to do, mm. but to write them down mm. and set clear goals and pursuing them consistently and reviewing them every week. Having a coach, I would say, let's say the best advice would be to have a coach. Have a I coach. know that you have, I, I read somewhere, you have a business coach, you have a mindset coach and you have a, two more other coaches. Sure, yeah. I, have I don't know what is, a health coach and a fourth one. I have a business coach. I have a, uh, I have a coach for my workouts. Hmm. Personal coach. Then I have a coach for, yes, mindset and I have a coach for your uh, business. Yes, yeah. So let me just say thank you. Thank you, Ramanuj, for being on the podcast. It was a really interesting episode. You had amazing things to say. Actually, you've given me a lot of things to think about. So I think we have to have you back on the podcast. Okay. So, but thank you. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time.